Hey, this is Jerry Aiken, pastor at Pierce Chapel in Columbus, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, wherever you may be. I hope that you find the word presented here engaging, informative, and challenging in your walk with Christ. Please check us out online at piercechapel.com. This morning's scripture comes from the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. In the 1960s, there was a phrase that emerged. It came out of the uh, hippie movement. This phrase was uh, counterculture. And it basically meant that the norms that society had established, the norms of the culture, uh, like what they were proposing went against all of that. And their ideals, you know, became more and more popular, gained traction, so much to the, to the point that now we would say many of those ideals uh, are part of the normal culture, that they're not countercultural at all, or at least not as much as they used to be. And that's how it goes with human movements, with human systems. They may start off as countercultural, but if they gain traction, eventually they will become part of the culture. The Christian faith is different in that we are called always to be countercultural, to see what the world is doing, what the world is offering, and saying that's not what God is calling us into. And so we come to Scripture to see how we are taught to live in a way that goes against the world's ways, in a way that goes against the secular culture. And so in this series, that's what we're doing. We started last week talking about what it means to aim for holiness. And we said that holiness means being set apart for God's purpose, being something different, being something different than the world because God has a different plan for the church. God has a different plan for his followers that doesn't look like what the world offers. It looks like something different. And so that's what we are aiming for. And each week we're taking this this prevalent um, uh, idea or or really a deception that the, the culture offers us. And then we're looking at Scripture and what it has to say about it and how Scripture offers us a different way to live that doesn't look like the world's way. And today what we are going to look at is unity and division. Because our culture is a divided culture. And it makes no grand claims to be a divided culture. Our culture doesn't tell you you need to be divided. But by implication, 
That's certainly what the culture pushes. We live in a world that says, if you disagree, draw a line in the sand. Put those other people on the other side of it. They are just simply other. We live in a world that says, if someone says something that you don't like, you have every right to be triggered. You have every right to be offended. You have every right to be angry about that. We live in a world that says, flock to like-minded people. You know, build up your own tribe. If you're on this side, then just talk to those people and live in that echo chamber. And and if you're on this side, then just talk to those people and live in that echo chamber. But always, always regard the other side as other, as less than. They just don't get it like you do. That's the world we live in, the culture that we live in. And our politicians do nothing to help that. They fan that. They, they like to keep that stirred up. The media does too. The irony of America being called the great melting pot, that's what it was called when it was first formed. But it has never been that. So that irony is not lost on, on me. I hope it's not lost on you. It, it has never truly been that. We have always been deeply divided. We have always uh, had problems managing our anger and disdain towards the people that we disagree with. And that's a problem because if we are followers of Christ, that's not what we are called to do. That's not what the tie that binds calls us to do. Our culture of division spills over into every area of our lives. You see it with, like I said, politics, but you see it with all kinds of other things. You see it with sports fandom. You know, you see it with uh, how, we, how we view viruses and how we should take care of ourselves. You see it with uh, how we, we view everything. Everything it becomes a, a, an opportunity for us to disagree passionately and turn on each other. And what can the church do about that? What can the church say about that? What would truly be countercultural in that climate? To be countercultural would be to take these words of Paul and take them to heart. These words that tell us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called with all humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. At the very beginning of the pandemic, I saw this article that said uh, that the, the pandemic was going to expose how divided our country truly is. It's very prophetic, really. And I remember when that article came out, uh, there were some people that said, no, no, this is going to pull us all together. We're going to all go through this together, and it's going to make us stronger as a nation. Well, that didn't happen. We did become even more divided somehow through what we all went through together. And the irony of that is um, I'm very intentionally not telling you where I got that article from, because if I did, half of you would stop listening. (laughs) Even our sources divide us. Even when they speak truth, we want to know where did that come from. I don't know if I can trust that source. We don't even trust our sources, but we can trust the source of absolute truth, which is God's word. 
And God's word has spoken to us here that says, walk in a manner worthy of your calling with all humility, gentleness, with patience, and bearing with one another in love. That's a pretty radical way to live in this world. It's a pretty radical way of testifying what God can do in our lives despite what the rest of the culture might look like. But I want to be very clear about unity. When I talk about unity, uh, there are two things that I need to clarify. Unity for the sake of unity is pointless. If we say that we're unified, but we don't know what we're unified about, then we're not really unified. If we say we're going to pursue unity, but we don't even know what that looks like, it's, it's a joke. It's just words that we're saying to make us feel better. To have true unity, we have to share an identity. There has to be some kind of common value, some kind of common goal. There has to be something that we connect on and we share that. And we can say, all right, we might disagree on this or that or the other, but there's at least this that we are unified on. So unity for the sake of unity is pointless. There has to be something that holds us together, something we come together with. The other thing I'll say about unity is that unity does not mean conformity. It doesn't mean we all have to be just alike. We all have to think alike. We all have to express our faith in the same way. That's not what unity means either. So let me give you some examples of, of what unity looks like. This past week, I was, uh, I was on campus at Duke for my doctoral studies, and this was my last week to be there with my cohort. This is my cohort uh, that I've got to know, know over the past few years. And I'll have to say, in the beginning, I was, I was very hesitant to, to get to know a lot of these people uh, right off the bat, just because I hate the feeling of getting to know somebody uh, and, then, and then knowing that I won't ever see them again. So there was some emotion. There was some heaviness this week, knowing that this was my last intensive week on campus with this cohort. But if you look at this group, you, you will notice some things. First of all, we're, we're very different. There's some, uh, some of us that are much younger, some of us that are older. Some of us uh, are men, some of us are women. Some of us are white, some of us are African-American, some of us are Hispanic or Latino. Very different. But there are things that unite us. It's not just unity for the sake of unity. We have a common faith. We have a shared identity in Christ. We have common goals. We all want to lead our churches in the best way possible. And so we have come to this place to grow as leaders. And we have prayed for each other and laughed with each other, and cried with each other, and shared each other's joys and burdens for the last few years. And so that unites us despite how different we are. Now that doesn't mean that we all agree on everything. We don't. There are some very different expressions of faith represented here. There are some Baptists in that picture, there are some Methodists and, and different types of Methodists, Methodists that lean in different directions. There are Catholics. There are even some Episcopalians. Now, I don't need to join the Catholic Church or the Episcopalian Church or the Baptist Church to be unified with them. We disagree on some things. 
We express our faith in different ways sometimes, but we are sharing an identity in Christ. We believe in the one baptism that unites us, and that supersedes all else. We had the opportunity to go to a basketball game, some of us, and uh, that's the, there we are. And, and just so you know, this was taken about an hour before the game. The, it, it actually, the, the stands did fill out after this. Um, but here are some of us at the game. Now, what you can't tell by that picture is that some of those people wearing Duke Blue Devil Blue are actually traitors. Uh, some of them are Tar Heels. And, uh, and I didn't know that until the next day when they said in class, well, I was secretly pulling against Duke last night. And that made my blood boil a little bit. But, but there again, we are not all alike. Yet we have a shared identity. And so we can be united in that. This is going to be very, very important for us, for Pierce Chapel to remember in the weeks and months ahead. We are entering into some heavy conversations, just like every United Methodist Church should be doing right now. We are talking about our future, what the future looks like. And there are going to be people here in this room that disagree with whatever you feel. But can we find a way to be together? Can we find a way to love each other through it? Can we find a way to look across the table and say your understanding of what you think is best for the church is not what I think is best for the church? But you know what? I'm going to love you anyway because that's what God has called me to do. And we share a vision. We share a hope. We share a baptism and we share an identity. And on January 29th, I'll have the opportunity to share with you my heart some of the things that I desire, but I, I will go ahead and tell you one of the things that I desire more than anything is for Pierce Chapel to remain Pierce Chapel. For the people of Pierce Chapel to continue loving each other in exactly the way that you are so gifted at doing right now. And we can do that and have disagreements. And we don't always practice that like we should. But we are called to practice that. We are challenged to practice that. We are challenged to live in holiness, to walk in the light, because as Paul says, we are children of the light. You, most of you, will have no way of showing me, introducing me to your parents, to your school teachers, high school football coach, anybody that had an impact on your life. You can't introduce them to me, but you can let them, you can let me see them in you by the way you carry yourself, right? And so the values that shaped who you are are on display by how you live your life. And the people that poured into you become visible by the way you live your life. In the same way as children of the light, people will see the light of Christ if that's what we're committed to. To living out. And children who are born of the light are shaped by God's love because it's God's love that reaches out to us in the darkness and puts that light there. This weekend is Martin Luther King weekend, which means on Facebook you're probably going to see a whole lot of quotes from him tomorrow and, uh, and maybe even today. Quotes from people who otherwise don't quote them all year long, but they do on this one weekend. And 
I'm, I'm guilty of doing that sometimes too. But not only has Martin Luther King uh, shaped my life, he's shaped your life, whether you recognize that or not. He has shaped a lot of, of how we see things in the church. And, and some of his quotes can, uh, can really be taken to heart and, and put right here with what Paul has said, just held up next to each other. And one of them is, is this, one of my favorite ones he ever said. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And as children of light, we know that the light of Christ is the only thing that can drive out the darkness of this world. We know that the love of God is the only thing that can drive out the hate and division and derision of this world. And so it is on us to bear that light, to shine that light, and to participate in God's love with each other and as a witness to the world. Another quote from him that that I really like, this is probably my favorite one here, love is the greatest force in the universe. It is the heartbeat of the moral cosmos, meaning that that is where the universe was created from, was from God's love. He who loves, or she who loves, is a participant in the being of God. If we want to show the world what love looks like, if we want to show the world what light looks like, we will say, we don't don't agree all the time, Sometimes we passionately disagree. We don't always even agree on where we're going or where God is calling us. But above all else, we are going to continue to love each other and support each other and encourage each other and pray for each other and strengthen each other through it all. Bearing with one another with patience. Because that is the walk that God has called us into We are children of the light, called to a life of humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another in love. As that old song goes, what the world needs now is love. And that's just as true now as it ever has been. But who's going to provide it? Who's going to show what that love looks like? If it's not the church, the body of Christ, the presence of Christ in this world, then what are we doing? What are we doing if we can't show the world what that love looks like? The Holy Spirit is an active agent. The Holy Spirit is an agent of unity, binding us, the church, together. Let us live together in unity and harmony praying for each other, displaying humility and patience to a divided world. Only then will the darkness of division and anger and malice, only then will the illusion of drawing lines in the sand and calling people other, only then will all of that disappear, dissipate, chased out, by the light of Jesus Christ. Please pray with me. Lord,
You have created us each in your image. Let us always lead with that. Let us always be mindful of that. And Lord, in this season and in many other seasons of our lives that have come before and, and will come again, there, there are seasons where we have to make heavy decisions. We have to seek out your will and we won't always agree with what direction to take. But Lord, above all else, we ask that you bind us together, that you hold us together in your perfect love, that you teach us to hear each other, to encourage each other and strengthen each other, recognizing that you loved us when we were wrong. You loved us when we didn't deserve it. And so who are we to withhold your love from each other? even those who we may disagree with, even those who may have radically different views from us, Lord, if we have that common identity, if we are held together in Christ, if we believe in the one baptism of Jesus Christ, even though our expressions of faith may look different, Lord, we ask that you would hold us together in your perfect love so that your light can shine through us and that light can chase away the darkness that is in this world. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in to our podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and check us out online at piercechapel.com. And now may you know the peace, the power, and the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Go to love. Go to serve. Go in peace. Amen. Thank you.